I'm Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We're super excited to have you guys back here for another week. It is liquor week here, and it's going to be a doozy for my dad and I because it is gin week. We're excited to get into some gins, right, Dad? That's right, but I'm a little nervous because gin's not my thing. Yeah. What about you, Josh? You drink gin? Not particularly. Sometimes in a cocktail, but not not always. we're going to have a ringer come in, come in at the end uh, to kind of give us some gin stories and do a gin tasting for us. But we'll yeah. talk about that when we, uh, when we get closer to it. Well, what do you have for snacks, Josh? Uh, so this week, my gin is the barrel-aged gin from a local distiller called oh, Rocktown. Right. You got to say that before snack. Yeah, so it's a barrel-aged gin from a, a local distiller called Rocktown. And to go with it, I've got some blueberry Stilton cheese. I have some spicy pork rinds, and then I have some goat masala. What do you have, Dad, this week? I'm not sure about that spicy stuff with gin, Josh. You know, we'll give it a try. We'll find out, won't we? Yep. So I've got botanist gin from Isla over in Scotland. And my snacks, I have cucumber sandwiches. I have cranberry goat cheese on a real thin cracker. And then I have shrimp toast. So, you ready to start off, Josh? I think so. Well, before we start, let's talk about our blind from last week. Oh, did we have a blind last week? We let's did. Let's see. It was beer week, so that's right. So, you blinded last week. I blinded last week, and I'm convinced it was Tank 7 from Kansas City Boulevard Brewing. Well, way to go, Dad. Oh, I mean, my You got it right. You got it exactly right. It was Tank 7 from Boulevard, a great, great little beer. Well, here's to you, Aaron. I tried Tank 7 before, and it was wrong. And this week, I got it right. And Aaron is from West End Cigars, and, and he thought that uh, my tasting of the first beer I did was Tank 7 as well, the way I described it. So, hot, 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 hot. Yeah. Man, one to, for three, I think it is. Way to go. Well, you're average, you're batting better than I am. So, uh, all right, well, let's, uh, you ready to get into these gins? I am. All right, so uh, like I said, we're going to be doing a barrel-aged gin first. Barrel-aged gins are, you know, kind of becoming a big thing. A lot of uh, whiskey producers are also making gins because they're great selling in the market. And then they decided to use some of their barrels to barrel-age this one, which is kind of what Rocktown did. Once again, with the snacks, we've got some spicy barbecue pork rinds. We've got some blueberry Stilton cheese and some goat masala. So, I see you picking up the glass, Dad. What you what you getting into? Telling the listeners what glass you're using. Uh, so this week we're using uh, two different styles of glasses. Uh, for this first one, we're gonna taste out of our standard Glencairn glass, which is you know the really curvy uh, snifter kind of looking one. We're also gonna try this over a little bit of ice a little later. I'm just curious at how it's gonna bloom over the ice. It doesn't look like a gin. In fact, looking at the bottle. If it didn't say gin on it, I would have sworn it was maybe a bourbon or a darker scotch because it's it's a light golden brown color. It's got really nice legs, so you know, it's probably a high ABV. The color? Probably 40-something. Probably yeah, so the color of this reminds me of the Bacardi Gold that we had uh, during Rum Week. Uh, that's a good analogy. Yeah, and so the this is 80... Not 80. It's a 92 proof, uh, so it's 46% uh, alcohol. 
46. Okay, that's up there. Yeah, so you smell it. It's got the uh, typical gin smell. Well, I don't. Which is ju- juniper, Christmas I, trees. I don't get a huge amount of juniper, but I'm, uh, I'm getting some black licorice, I think, Josh. Okay, yeah, so like some anise. Yeah, so like star anise. anise. That's the official name for it. Yeah, um, I kind of get that too, but I still get, you know, your standard gin, juniper yeah, right. kind of thing. There's some light citrus going on in with it too. And a little bit of some of those baking spices, you know, with cinnamon, nutmeg. I'm not really nutmeg, but like you said, cinnamon, anise, some of those smells going on too. And you have to kind of get past that alcohol, kind of burning your nose before you get down into the, the smells. Yeah, so let's give it, I'm going to give it a taste. Well, it's got wonderful legs. They're they're short but very strong legs. What did you get on the first taste, Josh? It's actually kind of sweet. It reminds me more of a whiskey than it does a gin. That's and and maybe that's because <laughs> oh the gosh. illusion of the eyes <laughs> looking at it. But yeah, I I get the same thing. And see, like I really don't. You know, it's not a real gin flavor, like like the botanist that we'll have later. That's that's interesting. Yeah, so there's a lot of wood on this. So I bet they use their bourbon barrels. So like the first use, because Rocktown makes bourbon. Right. And they put their gin in it. And and it's just, you still get some of that junipery, citrus, lightness, but there's a lot of, well, there's a lot of that barreling kind of vanilla flavor yeah, I, going I on into it. Vanilla, because it must be an oak bourbon barrel that they put it in. And so I get a little bit of that uh, char yeah. that you use for a bourbon barrel. I do think I'm getting a little bit of orange, mm-hmm. like a little orange peel in there. Yeah, and so when I was looking up kind of what they did with their gin, so they pot they pot still their gin, so they use pot stills, and they have a vapor basket in the pot still, which is where they put in their botanicals. And they have uh, juniper, coriander, Lemon peel, orange peel, cinnamon, darnese, and others. So I think some of that is also coming from the gin Pretty much itself. the standard that, yeah. that all gins start with. Yeah, and they use all natural. They don't use any unnatural flavors. Uh, they actually use the, the things themselves in their vapor baskets. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig into some of the pairings with the pork rinds first. And I think what you do is you actually make vodka. And vodka has no flavor to it. And then you take that and then you start infusing your botanicals into it to turn it into gin. Isn't that, isn't that about right? So that's one way. Yeah. That's one way you can make gin. Usually when that has happened, it's labeled as a distilled gin. But you can also make it just from a grain mash and then distill it. And while it's distilling, have it go through the botanicals, whether oh, okay. it's in yeah, a vapor true. basket like in this oh. pot still or in a column still. You mm-hmm. have one of your layers mm-hmm. that is your botanicals. And that's a really good pairing. The pork rind and the gin, it actually brings out some more of the gininess of it. So some more of that juniper, but it's really light. It's really elegant. It's really nice. Um, I'm actually really into this gin. Like, I came into this. This is the first time I've ever had this gin, but I wanted to do a barrel-aged gin because I know it's something that's out there, especially in the cocktail world. And I, I really like it. I, I did not think I was going to say that. What do you think so far? Well, I have to agree with you. I didn't know what to expect. 
to me, it's it doesn't taste like gin. Right. And a little bit more, it's coming out a little bit more with the food, I think. Yeah. And so those spicy pork rinds, they're, they're pulling out some of that barrel-aged flavor of the vanilla and the char and maybe, you know, maybe some, some other kind of dry herbs that's in there, but it didn't pull the, the juniper berries out. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't bring it out to, like, punch it in your face. It's a really nice aromatic group of botanicals mm-hmm. that come through. But then you also get kind of that sweetness from the gin that kind of calms the sweetness back down. Yeah, the goat masala we have, we've got a little bit of their rice underneath it. It's from a local restaurant called Star of India. Great, great Indian place. And just just be careful because there may be bones in the goat because they use like the little T-bones. Okay. T-bones a goat. And, you know, traditionally gin goes well with Indian food because... Gin got really, really popular in Britain in the late 17, or no, 1600s. You know, we know that the British Empire spread it around the world. And so that's kind of why I was thinking goat in this curry or masala um, mixture of Indian food would go really well with the gin. Now, I'm kind of curious to see how it's going to go since this is not really presenting like a gin gin. Um, but I'm, I'm super excited to try it. I'm surprised you picked curry. Yeah, you know, I saw that in my notes too, and I thought, I'm not so sure about curry and and gin. Well, and that's and, that like sweetness going against the spicy kind of robustness of flavors. So you're right, that curry sweetness and the Rocktown sweetness seem to pair very well. And now I'm not getting any of that char the. The vanilla is so far in the background, mm-hmm. and of course the curry. This curry is is like a yellow curry, I guess. So it's yeah, not so it's really t- that strong, strong curry that knocks your socks off. Yeah, it's a tomato based curry. Yeah, that's so. all. But it's really got a lot of those warming spices, and I think it brings out once again. I think it's bringing out the the junipery and kind of the coriander, a little bit of that anise flavor, and kind of brightening, kind of brightening everything up. Mm-hmm. I'm really surprised by this. So let's talk about gin for a little bit. You know, All right. gin was originally made as a medicine by the monks of South um, and kind of s- Southern Europe, kind of all over Europe. Monks kind of originated it and it was sold as medicine for a long time. And, you know, they're thinking it goes all the way back as Genevieve all the way back to like the 13th century because it shows up in some encyclopedias as far back as, you know, the 1200s or the 13th century. We know it was around in the 1500s because, you know, in 1585, English soldiers were supporting Spain in the 80 Years' War, and they were known to drink Genevieve to kind of as the calming effect before battle. And because... Think they were getting drunk? I mean, maybe, at least a little bit. You know, there's some history in that with the Romans, you know, mm-hmm. rationing wine to their soldiers. But anyway, so we know that Genevieve was also made in, in the um, Holland and those areas, the Netherlands at the time. And they think that this is where the phrase Dutch courage comes from, was the soldiers drinking a little bit of Genevieve before going into battle. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so like I said, we know it was made in, you know, 
the Netherlands and even up in Finland in the 1700s, and it was sold in the pharmacy. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, you know, uh, as a, a drug. Health, yeah, as a you know, helped you with kidney stones and gout, which we now know alcohol does not help gout. It actually increases. No, gout. that's the opposite. Of what that does. <laughs> yeah. But I think they were thinking, you know, oh, we got all these botanicals, uh, you know, juniper is really good for you, caraway, anise, right. all that makes it really good. Well, and, you know, gin made its way to England, where it really has made its name known. I mean, most people know gin, you know, as an English drink, or at least a British drink. So have you heard of London gin? London dry gin, yeah. Well, just London gin or London dry gin. Yeah. Is, you would assume... That the stuff is made in London. No. The word London denotes a method. And you won't need me to remind you that Annex 2, Section 22, Subsection AI of the Regulation EC, Number 110, of the Imperial Parliament <laughs> of the Council, ordains that London gin, exclusively from the ethyl alcohol and the agricultural origin so what they're really intending to do is say if you're going to add your botanicals they have to be in the mixture when you're making the alcohol right added them later is not london dry gin right and you know and that's actually not a wah 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 because i was reading all that Subsection, blah blah blah. Well, blah. I'm just reading it. I know. <laughs> it's me. It's, but hey, you turned into the, an adult in the Charlie Brown for me. Wah, well, wah, yeah, wah, I know. Wah, wah. I, I I turned into the regulatory regulatory authority on that one. Yeah. So, um, but it was interesting. Speaking of the regulations, so in Europe there are four different regulatory levels of gin, or of distilled spirits characterized by juniper. Okay, so you have just distilled uh, juniper product or juniper spirit you have gin you have distilled gin and then you have london gin mm-hmm. or no not london that's a british one uh dry gin dry gin well london dry gin i think that's right what, so that what my bottle says so it's london a dry gin? does not say that it just says it's a dry gin okay well either way um so do you know you have these four levels scotland they don't want to say london. right though <laughs> <laughs> they, they have these four levels in the u.s the only regulatory term for gin is that it is um, an alcohol that is no less than 80 proof that is characterized by the flavor of juniper berries. And if it's done in a redistilled fashion, like we talked about, where if you distill the liquor first and then you redistill it to get the botanicals in it, then you can call it a distilled gin. But that's it. Like, that's it in the U.S. So you can take any spirit you want, any grain you want, any whatever. And make a gin out of it. Yeah. As long as the character, the the overriding character of the gin of the liquor is juniper and it's over eighty proof. Okay. And, and that was, and that was so fascinating to me. We've talked about uh, your uncle Gene. Uh huh. And he likes Hendrick. Yep. It's not a London dry nope. gin. It's just a gin. Yeah. It may it may be a distilled gin, but it's it's yeah, I at think- least a gin. Go ahead and keep so tasting. What's the one. next pairing? Uh, the next pairing is the cheese. Blue, yeah, it's a blueberry Stilton. So because you know it is really popular in England, I thought you know fruit and fruit and gin play really well. Just this kind of funky blue, a uh, blue style of cheese mm. um, would go really well with it. And that, that cheese is pretty funky. 
Yeah, so it's a Stilton. Stiltons are a Stilton is a registered blue cheese from England, and it is known to be very potent. And so this takes the white part of the Stilton cheese and then adds blueberry to it to give it some extra flavor and give it some of that like lifting fruitiness to it. So on that pairing, I got a huge explosion of floral in my mouth. But I couldn't really distinguish all the different botanicals that were there Mm -hmm. because the cheese seemed to overpower to a degree because of of the, you said it's blueberries, Mm -hmm. because of the blueberries and the cheese, but it did get just a huge burst of the botanicals. It was really cool. I also got a huge burst of the alcohol. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. Is that what happened to wow, you? Wow, that just, yeah. I yeah. accidentally breathed through my nose. Yeah, just. And it did. Like, the alcohol yeah. just, like, jumped through. But. I don't know why it does that. <laughs> beyond that. Well, it's probably just because of, the like, the funkiness of the cheese is kind of coating everything else. And, and as you're just the alcohol is left. Dilton on its own can be really, really funky. And this blueberry kind of brings it down. Now, a traditional pairing for, like, real true Stilton is port. Okay. Some kind of sweetness to, you know, sweet grapey to kind of cover over it mm. and kind of, you know, elevate that funkness to a little bit different level. I wonder if this goat would do that. Yeah. I know. Um, so if you're up for it, Dad, I want to pour a little bit over ice and see how it changes because we've talked about how whiskey and whiskey can change over ice. And I'm kind of curious to how this will play okay, I'm up for it. over some ice with the pairings because we're both almost out. Yeah, that is really good. I know. I'm, I'm thoroughly surprised by this. This would make fantastic cocktails too. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're not a real big whiskey person, and you want to do some cocktails, like I mean, some of the whiskey uh, cocktails. Phil Brandon, I think that's yeah. his name. Mm-hmm. You outdid yourself on that. Yeah, this is phenomenal. If it you is phenomenal. if you don't live in you know the Little Rock area, you know, see if you can get some of this you know shipped to you or you know bootlegged. I mean, I didn't say that out loud, but somehow get some because it is, it is absolutely delicious. Yeah, that's a shout. That's a shout out for him. Because mm-hmm. they're I've had their gin, and I wasn't a huge fan of it because it was so overtly juniper. And for me, that's a huge turnoff with gin, even though I know that's what it's supposed to be. But that's one of the reasons I don't like gin. I don't really care for IPAs. Is that Christmas tree effect? Yeah, or the pine tar effect. That that it has for me specifically. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! So my grandfather, my mother's father, he drank a lot of gin. I never saw him drink it, but I always smelled it. <laughs> it sort of turned me off of gin. Yeah, because that smell pretty overpowering. Yeah, I'll tell you though, when you put it over ice, that juniper sings through. It really comes through. Oh, that- on that softened it out, didn't mm-hmm. it? Mellowed. And, you know, that, that's the blooming effect of ice and water. But there's that still, it, you know, it hits the juniper note. And I think, you know, at this point, this would be where, like, gin drinkers would be like, yes, okay, give it to me. This is, I want this now. Like, just neat and straight. Neat was pretty hot. It was hot, but it, it hit more the notes for a non-gin drinker. Correct. You know what I mean? Correct. So I just tried the potato pancake. That's not, it's just non. Hmm? It's not potato pancake, it's just non. 
Oh, okay. It's just non bread to go with the. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not a pairing. It's just a supplement. Just there, huh? Because I mean, it's Indian food. You gotta have non with it because non is delicious. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I tried it. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's not much there. Yeah. I, it, the intent is to s- smooth that curry down, right? Right. Just something to kind of sop up the curry so it, a little bit. Yeah, it's moved down the. I'm. I'm. I am actually. You know. I'm pleasantly surprised by this. By this gin. It's really good. I'm. I am too. <laughs> Might have to have some of that in my bar. Oh yeah. Well, like I said, it'd be a great cocktail. So when you say great cocktails, what cocktails are you thinking? So all of your classic gin cocktails, you know, I think it'd make a really interesting martini for people who don't like. For people who don't like gin. I think it'd make a really cool martini. Um, I think it'd make a great Negroni. I think it would too. Based on that rum Negroni we had last a uh, couple weeks ago, I think this would make a great Negroni. You know, it'd be a really, really interesting old fashioned too. And if you play with the bitters a little bit, because there's tons of bitters out there, mm-hmm. uh, playing with the bitters and doing the kind mm-hmm. of feel of the old fashioned, I think would be really, really fascinating. Doing kind of a anything with brand like a brandy cocktail, but using this instead of the brandy, mm-hmm. I think could be an interesting sub substitute. Have you heard of a white lady? That was good. I have not actually. Well, I mean, I've heard of the lady in white, but I haven't heard of a white lady. So I've got an article here that I'm looking at, and uh, apparently that is a gin cocktail. Okay. Another one called Love Thrill. And hanky panky, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought maybe that you would recognize those since you're a big cocktail guy. No, I I haven't. I don't recognize. Actually, I don't really recognize any of those. I don't either. But but I mean, gin is such a such a well known liquor, and it's been around for so long that there are so many cocktails out there that use gin. I mean, it's it's a standard in a bar. If you are gonna have, you know. Ten, you know, six, ten bottles in a bar, you're going to have gin. You're probably also going to have Genevieve. You may have a slow, a soul gin. Because there's so many cocktails that you do gin with. Now, speaking of the cocktails and kind of the history, going back to a little bit of the history of the gin, it hit its stride in England uh, during the time of the restoration where the uh, unity of the monarchy between England and uh, Scotland and Ireland kind of came together, but it also rose in popularity because they started to allow the unlicensed production of gin. And at the same time, they increased the taxes on foreign liquor. Oh yeah. So because brandy, which was a big drink in, in England at the time became so expensive, people were drinking gin. Now with that came Really bad gin. Mm-hmm. And you know what was used sometimes instead of juniper or with, with the juniper to give it that wonderful taste? Turpentine. You know, I almost said that because <laughs> in the bathtub gin bathtub era gins. of Prohibition, yep. uh, I'd heard that. Yeah, it's a cheap way to get that, kind of get that, um, that alcohol up. And, you know, between 1695 and 1735 was considered the gin craze in England. And there were thousands of gin shops that just popped up 
because there was a lot of low quality barley that was hanging around. Yeah. That they didn't want to that the brewers didn't want to use. Right. So they would distill it and make cheap gin, and because mm. it was cheap, it became the drink of the poor. Okay. One one thing I was reading was, you know, of the 15,000 drinking establishments in um in England, not including coffee shops or tea shops, about half of them were gin shops. Oh, okay. So, you know, the you know, pubs and everything and, you know, you know, this it was an intoxicant and it was cheap. And so it kind of came into ill repute, and so the yeah. government had to step in. And in the Gin Act of 1760 or 1736, try to you know just make it more expensive, tax it more, and nobody will, nobody's going to drink it. Well, I mean, look how good that did with cigarettes, right? Here in the U.S., right? Um, so what they did is they that one kind of went by the wayside, and then they went down to where only in 1751 only licensed distillers could make it and the selling of it you know to bars and gin shops were regulated yeah by your local magistrates and that helped kind of calm it down so that was that was pretty cool to read up read a little bit of the history of it so the white lady cocktail josh uh they have a specific dry rum but i don't think that matters an ounce and a half dry rum. rum Rum? Dry rum. Or excuse me, dry gin. Oh, okay. Gin. How did I get rum in there? Uh, the color, I guess. Three quarters ounce of triple sec, three quarter ounce of lemon juice, a third of a fluid ounce of cane sugar syrup, and now get this, a half an ounce pasteurized egg white. Okay. Yeah, I've had egg white cocktails before, but I've never had that one. So... So I think that egg white, and of course you you uh, shake everything up. Yeah. And that silkiness probably is is attributed to that egg white. Yeah, the egg white gives it a nice little tight foam and a it adds a texture to the cocktail. It also gives it a little bit of flavor. Right. Egg white cocktail. I mean, you know, whiskey sour originally was an egg white cocktail. You know, a little bit about Rocktown itself. You know, we, we're shouting these people out because they're doing, I mean, this gin is fantastic. Like, I'm, I'm blown away. We've talked about it before, but they are the first licensed distillery in Arkansas since Prohibition. They opened up in 2010 or 2012. I can't remember. Somewhere in there. And they pride themselves on really being local grain to bob. All of their grain, whether it's corn, barley, wheat, rye, is sourced within 150, 125 miles of the distillery. So all that comes from Arkansas. The gin itself uh, is pot, like I said, is pot stilled. They do it single batch at a time, and then they batch and bottle. All the botanicals they use are natural, juniper, coriander. Uh, they use a thing called Angelina. I'm not sure what that is. Yeah. Cinnamon, orange, uh, peels, and then um, star anise. They... Um, we talked about the vapor, the vapor infusion. So in the vapor chamber, like kind of a, I've seen it before. So if you've ever seen a pot still, you know, you've got the big pot there and it kind of curves out and go, you have the big spout that goes down to the coil where it condenses. Yeah. In that big spout is where they have the vapor basket. So the, the alcohol vapor goes through the basket before it's condensed down and 
goes back into a liquid. So it's a really cool process. I need to go do the tour again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they store them in the in their whiskey barrels. Didn't say for how long, but it was it was really cool. And man, this is a a really but officially gin really does not gin. have to be stored in a barrel. It does not. No gin is gin is actually cl- gin as is soon usually as it comes not. out. Yeah, as soon as it comes out, let's drink it. Yeah, gin is it, it is unco- it is not common to put gin in barrels. So a lot of times, what happens is. And maybe Rocktown started thinking about the, well, they're doing this barrel age, so they're not. But a lot of times what whiskey distillers realize is that if you're making scotch, you got to put that thing in a barrel, maybe 12 years old. Right. So during that 12 years, you're not making any money because your money's in that whiskey barrel. Right. So if you make gin alongside while the 12 years is going on you can sell that gin as soon as it's ready ready to go in a barrel because you don't have to put it in a barrel as soon as it comes out you just put it in the bottle and ready to go well that's a good transition you ready to talk about your gin well we can um i don't have anything else to add with the Rocktown gin and well, you have any questions or anything left. no i don't all right well so we're going to move over to my dad's gin, and that gin is the Botanist. I'll let him describe it a little bit more, but we're drinking it out of some scotch glasses that actually have a lid. So if you check out the Instagram page, you'll see the picture of the bottle with the type of glass we're using. So it's kind of a, a Glencairn shape, but it sits on a longer stem, kind of like a wine stem, and it has this little lid that goes on top so dad can you tell us a little bit about the glass since you brought these back from scotland didn't you actually or was it whiskey, whiskey live actually it was a whiskey live I'm trying to remember josh you caught me off guard a little bit sort of flat-footed here that's okay well just tell uh, us a little bit I, about the glass. i think what it was is um up in the northern part of scotland they used those lids to keep your scotch from aromatically losing its flavors. That's the real purpose of it. And I thought it was kind of neat. So I got two of those glasses and, you know, it's, I rarely, I rarely use them because these other glasses are so, so nice. Right. But you get the same kind of shape and I do kind of like that it has a lid and you know, it does like if you're tasting a bunch of stuff or you're going to pour and come back to it later, um, it does keep those aromatics in. And I'll tell you this, you know, I take the lid off of mine and boom, boom, it's, this is gin. It's juniper. This. It's just, it just smacks you in the face. I'm juniper. How are you? Yeah. What's your name? But it, but it's really clean, you know? Yeah. There are some gins that are like, when you smell them, yes, you get the juniper, but it's also like hot and alcoholic and in your face. So now, you could, you could say... The botanist is uh, 46%. Okay. It's on the bottle there. I hope I got that right from memory. 46%. You kind of swirl. You swirl that in your glass. You get stronger, longer legs to me than the Rocktown. Yeah, you get fat, slow legs. You, You get a whiteness. Some would say it's clear. But my analogy is, and I really haven't seen liquid silver, 
but that's what it looks like to me. Maybe it's it's not clear like water. It's got a silvery color to it. Yeah. So and if, when and if you remember Josh talking about the greens, and we talked yeah. about the green flash, that's kind of what I'm seeing here. You get this silverness to it. Yeah. So this would be a good one to really kind of help you know help you understand that with secondary color. Yes, this is clear. It is a see through liquid, but it does kind of have a silvery hue to it that it's hard to describe and that's those secondary colors that I talk about when I taste you know they're just there as like their hints their nuances sometimes you see them but it's like there's this extra hue of that color and you're right you know it makes me think of mercury for some reason like that reflective that reflective silver uh, mercury has that same look. Mercury vaporizes at seventy four degrees, I'm just so ta- it would I'm, be gone. God, I'm just, I'm <laughs> yeah. just talking what it reminds uh, me of, of what it kind of looks like, and you know the that memory that memory point to, okay. that I can connect yeah. the color to. So, so there's a a man by the name of Mark Williams. What his job is is to go out on the Isla kind of the marshy land of the isla and he's the one that picks the britannicals there's a really fantastic video if you go to the website it shows him picking these botanicals i thought it was quite interesting that you know there's there's nine core berries bark and peels and seeds and those are like what josh already listed i don't know this this Cassia, C-A-S-S-I-A. Yeah, Cassia. Cassia, Mm -hmm. coriander, juniper, orange, cinnamon, lemon, licorice, and this argenta, aureus root, and angical root. Those are those, that's the nine bases of the botanist. And then there's a total of 22. Right. So, so you just said it. So this is the botanist gin paired with it. What do we have again, dad? We have the cucumber sandwich. And the reason I picked the cucumber sandwich is when you, your mom and I were over in London, she was trying all these different gins and she'd got all these different garnishes with her gin. Yeah. Well, at least one of them came with cucumber. Okay. And they just put that cucumber in with her gin glass. In with the, the gin and tonic. Okay. And then the the uh, cranberry cheese, you know, I kind of, I tried that one the other day and I thought that would pair well. And then this shrimp the shrimp toast. And I'm kind of guessing on that one as, as being a good pairing. Okay, cool. So let's, uh, so let's get into it a little bit. So we, we've talked about the color. It definitely, it definitely smells like, it definitely smells like gin. You have that. You have that junipery. I always equate it to like a cedary Christmas tree kind of smell. But you also get some some really clean citrusy smells, and you do get some of like that that barkiness. So, so cassava cassava is a bark of a tree or a bark of a plant that is used in there because it gives off a really kind of uh, rich a rich smell to it. But definitely juniper is the dominating force of this. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a taste. Yeah, so when I taste it, it's like juniper right up front. 
and then I get that orange peel with it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think I get some spearmint. I get some, some yeah, I get some like allspice. I get some like allspice, definitely that citrus, uh, the juniper up front. There's some kind of like, like a spiciness that I can't place. That's not the alcohol hotness of it. But uh, you know that's a that's a really clean gin. If you if for people who like gin, this is definitely a great like standard. I mean, I, I would call it's so elegant. I mean, everything is blended well. It's a gin that's up there, and it's I mean it's it's good. So I brought some juniper berries out in case you wanted to uh, drop a few in your glass. That was one of the things that. Uh, Joanne had happened when she was in London. A couple times she'd order uh, a gin and tonic and it'd come and there's the berries in the glass with it. I watched a video too, Josh, that uh, when they created the gin and tonic, they put a licorice stick in there. And the licorice stick (laughs) was about four to five inches long. Wow. It's a hole in the middle of the licorice stick. Yeah. So you could use the liquor stick a as a straw. <laughs> it was really strange. Cool. And they were doing a tasting uh, of the botanist, and they they paired the licorice yeah. with the botanist. That would have been a, you I know, that would be really like it, black licorice, right? Yes, black, yeah, anise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, that would have been a good pairing too, because, you know, this one doesn't have a whole lot of that licorice characteristic to me. And I think it, with that sweetness of the licorice plus that, ex, that super sharp bitterness would be would kind of help kind of go balance it out. I see you having the cucumber sandwich. So, you know, it's funny you mentioned the, the gin and tonic. We talked about how Britain was an empire, and one of their empires was in, in India. And that's, there was a, there's a tree, the quinine, the quinine tree, exactly. that is found in Southeast Asia. The quinine tree... Because, you know, gin was so hot and it's, you know, it's hot there and they wanted to kind of make their gin a little bit lighter and easier to drink. They would make this quinine water or they would make a quinine tonic. Right. And they would add it to the gin. And that's actually where the gin and tonic comes from. That's right. Was from the, you know, have Britain having its empire. And that was kind of where the creation of tonic came from is that and tonic is also one that has some extra botanicals in it but plus that carbonation really opens up a gin and the quinine plays really well with like the uh, the um, the kasai and those other botanicals that are in gin and you know one of the classic two ingredient cocktails right there gin and tonic that's right your mom really likes botanist with fever tree tonic fever tree now there's several different types of fever tree this particular one is the premium Indian tonic water. It's got a blue, a blue box. Yeah, it's their sta- it's their standard, and kind it's, of their standard. It's the tonic. lower in calorie one. Yeah, I also I love Fever Tree Tonic, but I really like their Elderflower Tonic, and I think the floralness of the Elderflower Tonic brings you know an extra bump that I meant to bring some. You know, I think that would you know going back to your cocktail question. You know, that elderflower tonic or those kind of floral tonics, I think would be really good uh, with both of these, but especially with that barrel aid, 
the barrel aged gin yeah. would kind of bring that extra floridity to it. But yeah, anyway, so that's a, it's a great, great tonic. So on the inside of the little box that the little four pack of, of tonic comes, they say if three quarters of your drink is the mixer, mix with the best. Yeah. And they say that we believe the finest whiskeys, rums, and vodkas, tequilas, and gin deserve mixers that enhance the complex flavors. Now, another part of the box and the lettering is so small, Josh. <laughs> I can't read it, but they show a photo of the of the world, right? And then they pick out all the different places that they have gotten specific botanicals themselves, ingredients for their wonderful tonic water. Yeah, it's a it's a super good tonic and there's a lot of stuff that goes on into a tonic. And you know, we talked about we've talked about this before. You know, the less ingredients you have in a cocktail, the better those ingredients need to be. Just like just like food, you know, because if you don't have great if you have a great ingredient and then you have a really bad ingredient, you know, it, it could really hurt it. So so I tried the, uh, as you said, you saw me do it. I tried the cucumber sandwich. Yeah. And the cucumber really goes well with this gin. What'd you kind of get out of it? So I got this, the cucumber kind of drew out some of the other sweetness okay. of the of the gin itself. And I don't know that it pulled out any specific botanical. Mm-hmm. If it pulled out any one of them maybe it pulled out some of the calamine that's actually in there because it's it's a okay. sweet calamine okay and you know calamine is used as a lotion mm-hmm. if you get uh, poison ivy or actually they make calamine tea to to help you sleep so you know that's quite interesting that they decided to use calamine within within this uh good yeah two we- but botanical gin yeah so um you've kind of hit on it so this this gin actually is from scotland it comes from the island of isla so where some of a lot of those peaty smoky scotches come from that we talked about before this gin is actually coming from the same location and the way you talk about it the botanist or you know i guess that's who you were talking about he goes out and actually picks as much as he can from the island and so this is a another local, you know, kind of artisanal, artisanal product, kind of like we were talking about. With sort of the, about like Rottown. Yeah. I also noticed that a lot of the time of that island is rainy. And what he said was in the little video that I watched, you know, if you pick those botan- botanicals when it's they're wet, they try to sour yeah. or mold on you before you could really get them into the gin yeah and so he makes sure that he picks them when they're dry and this guy he's the expert right so he knows what time of year he can go find uh any one of these like birch leaves well Mm -hmm. He, he gets those a certain time of the year or the apple mint a certain time of year or the lemon balm or the lemon peel or the licorice root himself. He just knows, you know, he's the expert. He knows when to go get them. That's really cool. I didn't know, I didn't know that about this gin. I knew it was a really good gin. It's a great bottle too. Um, but 
you know, that's really cool that they, they focused on trying to keep it local and then they actually have somebody that takes care of that process to get out. Are you going to try and a cucumber? I am, I am not going to try a cucumber sandwich. Oh, okay. Cucumber is one of those things for me that is I just did a put no-go. a little, I added a little dill to the mayonnaise to kind of give, just give it a little more flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't notice the dill that was in there, but the cucumber really goes well. Yeah. So I'm going to have the, I'm going to do the goat cheese. All right. The cranberry goat and cheese. And you can talk about it. There is a, another gin that uh, your Uncle Randy brought to us. You know, he he used to work at the Capitol Grill, and he was working nights, and they lived in over in the Hot Springs area. And he would spend the night at our house instead of having to drive back to Hot Springs. Right. And one one day, while we were kind of nosing around in the liquor cabinet, we found Monkey 47. Oh, yeah. And so that's another one that has a lot of botanicals 47 47 that's right so if you're really into the botanicals you might want to try that one as well now in recent time that that gin has skyrocketed in price mm-hmm. you know about two years ago it was 45 dollars a bottle oh okay it's now like 80 dollars a bottle oh no it's it's just skyrocketed in price because it's super popular but you know so the and I bet when he bought it, it ten was, years yeah, ago, it was, it, was, it, was, it was probably twenty five thirty. But so, you know, it's good. So the the goat cheese, the sweetness of the of the cranberry and the goat cheese, and that little bit of sour, acidic bite, bring out more of the softer tones in the gin. Kind of brings out the orange peel. Yeah, not really like the licorice, but I, I call them like the the middle or the high tones. The citrus, the, I could, I don't know what birch leaves are like, but I would guess I don't be a little, they might be a little bit more in that higher tone. So I think your point is that goat cheese with the cranberries is a sweet. Mm-hmm. And so it's bringing out the sweet botanicals right. within that botanist. Right, it is. So anything that's in that botanist that's not necessarily sweet, you may not you may not taste that when you try this this particular pairing. Yeah. So you think that pairing is pretty good, huh? Yeah, I do. Have you had the shrimp toast yet? I haven't, and this is this is a stretch. So it might be the curveball that uh, I think hits it's, the dirt. I think it's going to work pretty well because seafood is going to go well with gin because light and that floralness, fish and seafood usually do well with, with herbaceousness and those botanicals. Plus... You know, you had onion and shallot and herbs yeah, in the shrimp. So the shrimp toast is you take all these things and you put them in a food processor and you make like a, a spread and you put it on toast. It it um, it kind of makes it kind of like a like a little to- like a toast beast. So it was supposed to be fried. I didn't want to fry it. I didn't need any more. I already had some bacon fat. So uh, what are you? There. So I, I rolled it, it in the oven. What's the? What's the pairing like? Well, I'm still working on it. You know, the sweetness of the of the shrimp, I think is going to pull out some of the sweetness that we had. Right. Let me give it a try here, and we'll find out. So, uh, yeah, that's what it did. Now, the, like you said, I didn't have shallots, so I used uh, some red onion. So the same thing, that red, that red onion is, is a soft onion, is, as 
you well know, like a shallot. So you don't get that uh, big onion flavor that you might with a yellow or a white onion. Right. So it didn't overpower. Not a bad pairing. You didn't try it, but I think that cucumber. Was the best one? I think, well, it's hard to pick between the the cranberry goat cheese and the cucumber. You know, I, I, I told your mom, oh, I'm making a cucumber sandwich. She goes, ugh. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't think she would have liked it either. We are both not cucumber people or pickle people. Well, that's right. Maybe your uh, friend Jordan would like the cucumber sandwich with the... Oh, she's not a gin person, but... Well, you and I aren't gin Maybe people, that Rocktown right? gin. And here we are, Josh. So here it's all we for are. You, it's all for you listeners. You know, you had a lot of stories about the the things that were going on time-wise. And I read this article and it had a lot of the same thing. So gin seems to be back up in popularity. Oh, yeah. Gin may be one of the top cocktail ingredients right now. Sure is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it's extremely popular. Okay. I mean, if you were to think about 10 years ago, the the number of gins on a liquor store shelf. Right. You know, you'd have Beefeater, Bombay, Bombay Sapphire, Hendrix, maybe another one. I mean, maybe you'd have some gin, you'd have some Genevieve on there. And now, you know, you walk down a gin aisle and there's there's tons of different gins. So right. it really has it really has been reinvigorated with the cocktail movement coming back because it is such a cocktail-friendly and a historic cocktail liquor. But the price point on these two bottles is about the same, right? They're about $40 mm-hmm. each. Yeah. Is that a liter or a seven fifty? This is seven fifty. Yeah, so two those both are seven fifty, so seven fifty for forty dollars. That seems to be about the going rate for anything. Yeah, for a lot of craft gins and I mean craft whiskeys as well. Well, you know, my my favorite whiskey has gone you were talking about how things have really gone up, the monkey forty seven. My my favorite whiskey has gone from sixty ish to eighty something. And there's several reasons for that. Uh, but you know, buy what you like. Yeah. Spend your money. Well, so we've talked about Obin before. That's right. I was walking through the liquor store the other day going to buy this bottle. The Obin 18, which used to be $80, 90 it's $130 now. Right. I'm they've like, are you kidding me? They've all I mean, I know the tariffs are killing us and the right. tariffs, you know, and Arkansas has really high taxes. But that much, like it was just, I was like, oh my goodness, gotta go start finding those little those cheap, those uh, secret buys now and not tell anybody. I'll, I'll, exactly, I'll tell you guys about it. Don't worry. Yeah. But so yeah, anything else about your gin? Well, I was just checking my notes to see if there was anything. You know, gins are you know gins are really like you said you you know gins are really coming back so. Suggest, you know, giving gins a try. I was hesitant of trying gin by itself. Me too. Because I've only ever really had it in cocktails or a tonic. You know, yeah, tonic. Right. But it was really, really kind of opened my eyes to, you know, the nuances that this, that this liquor can have. And I'm really, I'm really happy I did. So 
either if you've got some in your shelf and you've only ever had, you know, gin and tonics or, you know, gin martinis, give it a try neat. Give it a try. Um, just neat by itself. I think once the botanist warmed up and we didn't try it over ice mm-hmm. and we might should have, when I first tried it just straight out of the bottle, it was so hot. Yeah. For, I mean, 46% is up there, you know? Yeah. And just to kind of clarify, the, the, the botanist has done the same way that you described, Josh. Mm-hmm. The uh, alcohol vapor infusion from the distillation passes through the botanical basket containing the 22. Yeah. So it's, you know, that's a very standard. They named their slow distiller Ugly Betty. <laughs> it takes the distillation takes 17 hours wow that's like four times as long as a normal distillation so i i don't understand why theirs is taking that long but i think that's just the way they're doing it well and it takes a little bit longer for you know the vapor to go fully through the basket because when it when it hits the basket you know some of it is gonna you know turn back into liquid and drop back down that's right distilled back through i think we're about ready for our uh special guest all right so we'll uh she's outside we'll get her ready and get going all right so we're super excited to have a special guest on with gin week uh it is my mom joanne say hi mom hello we're uh, super excited that she's here with us. She is the gin person of the household and and special. It is her birthday. So happy birthday, Mom. Thank you very much. It's been good so far. Yeah, so Mom's going to come in and do a little blinding of the gin this week. And Mom, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your kind of history with gin? What was the first gin you ever had? Was there a story? Well, yes, there was. Uh, when I was in college uh, one summer, I was a Girl Scout camp. Uh, counselor in uh, Wisconsin. And on the weekends, I went and stayed with my uncle Steve and Aunt Frances. And one Sunday afternoon, I had exactly 24 hours off. So this uh, Sunday afternoon, I was there after I'd slept a lot and got up and they were having a little family party for somebody's uh, first communion or something like that. And so my Uncle Steve fixed me a gin and tonic, and I thought it was delicious, and yeah. he fixed me another one. And, <laughs> and when I woke up the next morning, I went, oh, my goodness, I have cotton in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so then it was a while longer before I uh, started enjoying uh, gin and tonics on a regular basis, and mostly when we moved back to Little Rock yeah, uh, back in the South. And come to find out, my brother was a gin and tonic drinker and so was my sister and so anyway that just sort of became my uh, cocktail choice wasn't uh papa or your dad wasn't he a big gin and tonic guy he too? was he was for uh yes he absolutely was and i did have uh, gin and tonics when i visited <laughs> yeah. with my my dad and it was always beef eaters oh, holy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was gene's uh house scotch or house uh gin for a long time mm-hmm. as beef eater. So you've brought in some gins back from when on your travels. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, what's been your favorite gin experience when you've been traveling and, you know, what's it like to bring bring it back? Well, yes, there were uh, two trips actually that um 
uh, introduced me to some new uh, gins. And when we were uh, traveling to Scotland, uh, I picked up a bottle. It was a pretty bottle. Uh, it was made on one of the uh, islands off the coast of of Scotland and called the Botanist, and I fell in oh, love with okay. it. And I have since uh, I transferred that love of it to several of my friends. So was it? Did you get to try it before? Like you picked it out of the bottle? Did you guys go there? Or did you go? Oh, that one looks good. Uh, the I bottle just, looks cool. It was in a duty free sh- uh, shop, and I thought that look. It was a nice size bottle. It was sort of a me- small, small to medium size. Yeah. And it was a pretty bottle, and I thought, oh, I might as well buy some of this. The okay. other experience uh, was when we were in London last winter, yeah. January, and we had a good, a pretty good wait in the London uh, airport, so I cruised around in the duty-free store. Mm-hmm. Normally, I don't. It's just too much trouble to, yeah. to carry back. They're very but good packers. They're small bags. Y'all are, y'all are really good packers. Oh. Small bags, easy to carry on. You know, if it gets lost... I'm not worried about it. So your space is at a premium. This is why she says like it could usually duty free is too hard because, you know, space is at a premium in their bag. Well, it is. And then also with uh, all the TSA uh, requirements to get uh, back into the country and, you know, uh, they've gone through a couple of changes of, of how you're able to or how much you're able to bring back. And, and formerly... In the past few years, you would have to put any duty-free um, liquor in your checked bag when you went through customs oh, in okay. Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, in the past year or so, they've come up with a a duty-free, a, a special lock duty-free bag that the duty-free shop certify oh. uh, that, you know, they have packed it and they have zipped it into this uh Thing. You can only cut into it to get into it. Okay. So I saw this one set that had some pretty glasses with it. And um, in England, uh, you drink gin and tonics out of uh, a goblet. Yeah, I've seen that in Europe a lot. You know, those goblet, like almost like big Pinot wine glass style goblet mm-hmm. glasses. And so this particular bottle um, had, uh, it was a pretty blue bottle with some gold paint on it and also a couple of glasses that matched. And so I got that, and then there was a very good saleswoman, and she sold me another bottle of gin that was only uh, produced and sold in England. Okay. Uh, so that was fun, and it ended up being a big hassle going through <laughs> <laughs> through customs. I yeah. won't go into the whole thing, but anyway, uh, it, it's it's fun to to pick up new things when you travel for sure. Well, cool. So uh, we've got a little uh, trial gin for you. There's a little bit of tonic in here since you're not you know, used to drinking um, it all the way through. So as we're going through this, Mom, what I want you to do is, you know, kind of taste it and tell us what you're tasting. What do you think about it? Is there anything? Tell us everything you're tasting. And then take a guess and see if you know what gin it is. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Now, I do not have a refined palate. I know what I like. and You, you, uh, like, what, you like what you know. Right, right. Yeah. So go ahead and just, you know, smell it, taste it, you know, just give us, give us your birthday tasting. Well, there's definitely more gin than tonic in it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this, this is gin I heavy. I can tell you yeah. that. Um, Tastes citrusy. Is it tasting junipery? Is it tasting like your spice cabinet? What are you getting on it? 
Well, I think it it is a fairly botanical, but not extremely strong florals. Um, I think it may uh, may be a London dry gin. Did, I don't know if y'all talked about the differences. We did in gins, um, and I hope you've talked about the importance of the tonic. We a, did. Okay. We did talk about the the importance of the tonic and the fever tree, why it's important to use. For right, you. and that's just about every the only tonic they use in in uh-huh. England. And I'll have to give credit to my brother-in-law, uh, Randy Cooper, who was a bartender at 111 at the Capitol Hotel, and he he taught me about fever tree tonic, and it is absolutely the best. So I'm going to guess uh, Tanqueray. Okay. Yeah, so this this gin, like she said, it's very botanical. I'm getting a lot of citrus on it. Mm-hmm. Like it's very kind of citrus forward, um, but those botanicals are still there. You can get the juniperiness on it, so... All right. Well, Mom, I hope this was a cool experience for your birthday. Thank you. And, you know, we're excited to have you on. So um, I'm going to let Dad hop back in here as we'll, we'll finish up the show. You can take your, uh, your uh, gin and tonic, your, your uh, gin and tonic with you. <laughs> and so uh, to find out what, if my mom was right in her tasting of the gin, you'll, we'll, uh, We'll come back next week to see you guys. Uh, next week, we're actually going to switch it again. I know this is a lot of switching of our... Josh, you're going to get them dizzy. I know, I know. But it'll make sense. So we're going to do a beer week next week again. Oh, another beer week. Yeah. All right. I know. You're super happy. And the reason is, is because we're going to move the wine week to the following week, and we're going to do Thanksgiving wines at that point. So we're going to talk about Thanksgiving wines and pairings. So next week we're gonna do porters. Oh yeah, that uh, so sounds gonna, good. Josh. It's another dark, you know, dark beer season. Kind of that time of year. Yeah. So, uh, Dad, what are you gonna do? I think I'll do the Anchor Steam Porter, Josh. Okay, cool. And I'm gonna do the Bell's Porter out of Michigan. So it's gonna be a good time once again. We're doing beer next week. Just hold on your hats because uh, we're gonna move wine so we can get one for you before Thanksgiving. Thanks again for joining us for another Acquired Tasting Podcast. How uh, can they find us, Josh? Remember to follow us on Instagram. Uh, we're start, I'm going to start posting uh, some of our recipes that we're doing as well and kind of some of the food stuff. We do mostly on Instagram. We're on Twitter, at Acquired Tasting. And we're on Facebook. Uh, find us on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, give us a, If you think we're worth it, give us a follow. Give us a like. Give us a, a review. At, tell your friends. Have a big, you know have a less than 10 gathering right because of the virus have right. a less than 10 gathering get together um experience the podcast because the podcast this is you know a real experiential podcast yeah it's really fun if you just go out and find as close as you can to the pairings that we have and the different uh gins or wines or beers whatever it is and just sit down and have a little uh, tasting party yourself as yeah. you listen and if to you're, us and if you're tired of listening to us just you know go ahead and pause us and have a good party anyway and if you hadn't already done it go out to uh the straight cut and listen to our cocktail episode where where we had uh the two cocktails and we we did the julius caesar cigar and we had such a great time with aaron who is at west end cigars so that's another good thing to do that's not on our website but go to their website and uh listen to it yeah and so uh once again thanks for listening i'm josh mills and i'm john mills and we'll see you next time thank you and goodbye